0: what they think Easter is all about. Amen? Those of you that have kids that brought them today, I want you to know that following service, of course, we're going to be having an egg hunt. So we've been praying that the rain would hold off. We want you to pray that along with us. Eggs are out, and and they're not going to start until all the kids are accounted for. If you brought kids with you, whether they're your children, your grandkids, your nieces, nephews, neighborhood kids, friends, whoever they are, make sure that you go and get them from children's church and that way they can start the egg hunt that's going to be right at the close of service. Now, if it has or if it is raining and pouring outside, we've got an alternative, so don't worry about that. But today I wanted to talk to you really just for a few moments and and I know that we've spent a lot of time worshiping. We've sung songs today about the resurrection. We've sung songs about Jesus getting up from the grave and how he's alive forevermore. But I want us to simply look at two verses In the scripture, Matthew 28, verses 9 and 10. God's word reads like this. And as they went to tell his disciples, behold, Jesus met them saying, rejoice. And they came and held him by the feet and worshiped him. And then Jesus said to them, do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee, and there they will see me. See, what we're reading here is what took place, not on Good Friday, Not on the following day, but on the third day, that Sunday, that Easter morning, that resurrection morning, when the two Marys went to the tomb to see the body of Jesus. And they were confronted. They were confronted in their time there by an angel, and then as they went, the Bible says, as they were coming back from the tomb, Jesus appeared to them. He said, Rejoice. Don't be afraid. And as they worshipped him, he said, Go And tell my brothers to go to Galilee, for that's where they're going to see me. We do a lot of of teaching, we do a lot of preaching about the things that Jesus said throughout his ministry. The miracles that he performed, the things that he did throughout his ministry. But today I want us to just take a few minutes and look at some resurrection instructions from Jesus resurrection instructions from Jesus. See, you know, as I said, it was, it was the first day of the week. It was early on that Sunday morning when two women, two women named Mary, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary, and they went to the tomb because they were expecting to find the lifeless body of Jesus. He had been taken down from the cross. He had been prepared and wrapped as they did in a burial, and they placed him inside this tomb of Joseph of Arimathea. Now, I find it interesting that they did not ask and Jesus did not ask if he could have the tomb but if simply he could just borrow it. How many of you know he didn't need it very long? He knew he wasn't going to need it very long so because of that he simply borrowed it and as they went they were expecting to find a dead man but what they found was something altogether different because they got to the tomb and the the earth shook and an angel appeared to them and the angel said do not be afraid because i know you've come looking for jesus i know you're here trying to find the one that was crucified but he's not here he's risen just as he said he was and then he said if you go you'll see him and as they went the bible says they were going to tell his disciples, that he was no longer dead. He was no longer in the grave. And then here we are in our text when Jesus appears to them and he begins to speak to them. But it's interesting to see that they were following the instructions of the angel. They were obeying to go back to Galilee. And as they were obeying, then Jesus appeared to them. It it was them that were privileged to see the risen Savior because they went as they were being obedient. You know, sometimes we've got to learn that our faith and our faithfulness also has to be tied together with our obedience. If we expect to see God, if we expect to see God move in our lives, we've got to do what he said to do, amen? It's no different than in John chapter 2, when Jesus performed his first miracle by turning water into wine. Mary went to the servants beforehand, and she told them, whatever he tells you to do, do it. You know that that is a message for us because there's a lot of people in the world today, even a lot of people that fill church pews week after week, and they believe in Jesus, but I don't know if they really believe that He died and that He rose again. It's as though they're still sitting beside an empty tomb, and they're still declaring that they don't believe they themselves are empty, they're unfulfilled, their lives are miserable because they don't have any faith. And and can I tell you, if you don't have any faith, you won't have any joy. You won't have any peace in your life. You're going to stay empty, you're going to stay miserable, you're going to stay unfulfilled. And these are the people who always want to mock. Christians. These are the people that always want to scoff at Christians because they're not going to believe the report of the Lord, but instead they're going to believe a lie. They're going to walk in disobedience, but these two women walked in obedience, and because of that, Jesus appeared to them. Now, the Bible says that when he appeared to them, what did they do? They ran to him. They wrapped their arms around him, and they fell to his feet and worshiped him. This was no dream. This was no hallucination. This was not some kind of vision. They actually heard, they actually saw, and they actually touched Jesus. They had empirical, undeniable, indisputable evidence that he resurrected and was raised from the grave. But I think it's interesting when we look at what Jesus said to them. See, anything that Jesus said is important. Amen? We ought to pay pay special attention to everything he said, but even the more so when we look at what he said after his resurrection. Because he gave them some instructions that I believe fully apply to us here today. The first thing that Jesus said to them was rejoice. Everybody say "Rejoice." rejoice. You see, that ought to be the central message. That ought to be the primary message of the resurrection, rejoice. You know what the word rejoice means? It means to celebrate. It means to dance and spin around in circles celebrating. That's why we ought to be celebrating on this Sunday morning. Not just this Sunday morning, but every Sunday morning that we get together. We have a reason to celebrate. We have a reason to sing. We have a reason to dance. We have a reason to shout and to clap our hands with all of our might. Because we know that Jesus is alive. That's what Jesus said. He said, rejoice. Rejoice. Now, oftentimes, what do we do? Oftentimes, we use this time of year. We use Easter as a time where gruesome and graphic pictures of Jesus on the cross are often shown. Amen? And and I know that's a part of it. I know that that Good Friday was the time that he had to be whipped. He had to be beaten. He had to be crucified. He ultimately had to give up his life. He, He took that sacrifice and paid our debt. He covered our sin. But Even furthermore, we know that if there had not been death on Good Friday, there never would have been a resurrection on Sunday. So we do need to appreciate the meaning and the significance of Good Friday and the death that Jesus died for you and I. There's some people that even want to deny his death. There's some New Age philosophies and schools that want to deny his death. They they can't disprove that he was alive. Even the records of the Romans... Prove that there was a man named Jesus in Israel at that time in history. They proved that he, in fact, was popular amongst the people, that he was crucified between two thieves as, as even the most high level of criminal. He was, he was one of their most wanted, if you will, and they crucified him, they laid him in a grave, and even Roman history will record that three days later that tomb was empty. Now, there's some that try to say he, he wasn't resurrected. Some will try to say that the disciples stole him so that they could make it look like his claims or promises came true. There's others that would say that the Romans took him so that nobody else would ever have claim to him and that everything was all just a a big conspiracy. But friends, I want you to know today, you can be sure of these two things. First of all, Jesus did in fact die on the cross. He was buried. And then secondly, Jesus rose supernaturally on the third day. And it's because of those things that you and I should be able to rejoice. Even when the world tries to beat us down, even when stress and anxiety and and shame and guilt and failure tries to pile itself down on you, you've got to understand that those things are not to have a hold on you anymore. Jesus died and rose again so that you could rejoice, so that you could have peace, so that you could have joy, so that no matter what this world throws at you you know that you serve a risen Savior and if God him up from the dead, it doesn't matter how low or how bad things get for you, God will raise you up as well. He said Rejoice. But then he went on. And secondly, he said, do not be afraid. Well, that, that would be easier said than done. If I was there on that day and I saw him crucified, if I saw him Pierced, if I saw his body laid to rest in a, a stone rolled across the gate of that tomb, if I saw all those things, and then all of a sudden I saw him standing there talking to me, I would be afraid. I really would be. I would like to think that I would have all the faith in the world, and I would just expect that, that it wouldn't catch me by surprise. But how many of you know that even Christians get caught by surprise sometimes? In the book of Acts, the Bible tells us that there was a time when Peter was in jail. He was in prison, and the whole church gathered and started praying that he would be released from prison. And then an angel came, unlocked the prison. Peter walked out free. He came to the very door where they they were praying, at the house that they were praying. He knocked on the door, and somebody came and said, Who is it? He said, Peter. They said, No, it's not. It can't be Peter. He's in jail. And they went back and kept praying for him to be released. Peter knocked again and they still didn't believe it was him. As Christians, sometimes it's easier for us to say we believe things than to actually believe it. We believe God can heal somebody else that's sick, but we doubt that he'll heal us. We believe that he'll forgive somebody else of their sins, but we feel like we're going to be crucified for ours. We feel like he can encourage somebody and provide for somebody that's, that's broke and discouraged and depressed. But we doubt that he'll do those things to us. Oftentimes, we have a hard time believing that Jesus is actually going to do what he said he was going to do. Amen? These women were afraid when they saw him rise up, even though he said he was going to. Even though he said, if you destroy this temple, in three days I'm going to raise it back up. They were surprised and they were afraid for their lives. They had seen him dead and gone. They knew that they were going to have to learn to live life without him, but they were afraid right there because he was standing right in front of them. And in the midst of their fear, in the midst of being confused, because, I mean, if I was there, I wouldn't quite know what was going on. Amen? I wouldn't know. I'd, I'd do this and make sure I had to look again. I'd pinch myself, make sure I wasn't sleeping, but in the midst of their fear, in the midst of all their confusion, Jesus speaks peace into their lives. He says, don't be afraid. How many of you know that if we were going to be honest, we would say there's times in our lives where we go through events, I mean like a series of tragedies, one thing after another, and they they can leave us a little dazed, amen. They can leave us confused and kind of discombobulated to the point that we don't even know if we're going to survive. We don't even know if we're going to be able to bounce back from these things. We wonder what happened, where it came from. Nothing makes sense. And everything we thought we knew about God, we now start to question and doubt. How many of you have ever been in that place? When stuff just gets turned upside down on you, and you don't know why. You didn't do anything to cause it. You didn't ask for it, but it just happens anyways. And sometimes the, the, the belief we have, the faith we have, or we claim to have, it seems so inadequate. It, it's so small compared to what we're going to need in the, in the line of faith. And, and we wonder if we're even going to make it, if we should just throw in the towel and give up. But Jesus speaks peace to these women. There was another time when he was out on a ship And the storm came and the disciples thought they were going to drown. And Jesus got up and he spoke peace to them as well. So here he is appearing to these women. And he speaks peace. And I think that that in and of itself is a message for somebody here today. He's telling you, don't be afraid. Don't fear rob you of your joy. Don't let fear keep you from fulfilling your dream. Don't allow fear to steal your victory. Rejoice and don't be afraid. Listen, there are some... some devastating things that are happening in the world there's some that are happening even much closer to home in our own country and even in our own lives we have devastation we have tragedies that take place in our own lives but can I tell you today that God is still on the throne God is still in control, amen? And his word says, when you see these things begin to happen, to look up because we know that when all hell is breaking loose around us, if we look up, we know the scripture says that our salvation, our redemption is drawing near. What is it that you're afraid of? What is it that grips you? What is it that keeps you awake at night? What is it that steals your peace? And steals your joy. Is it, is it that you're afraid of financial ruin? Is it that you're afraid of a relationship breaking up and dissolving? Is it afraid that you're going to lose your job? You're afraid that you're, you're going to die from a sickness that you have or that doctors have said you've had? You don't have to be afraid. He said, don't be afraid. You say, Pastor, I know he said that, but it's hard not to be. It is hard not to be afraid. You have more bills than you have money. It's hard not to be afraid. When your doctor says the word cancer, it's hard not to be afraid. And when you go to work and instead of a paycheck, you get a pink slip, it's hard not to be afraid. When the people that said they had your back start stabbing you in the back, it's hard to not be afraid and confused. When a loved one dies, it's hard to not be afraid. When everything that we thought was stable gets shaken and rocked, it's hard to not be afraid. These women were afraid. I mean, they were literally terrified. But Jesus looked at them and he said, Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid, but Jesus first of all said rejoice, then he told them they didn't have to be afraid, then the third thing he said was go tell, go and tell, see, the, the first to rejoice and do not be afraid are, are things that we can do right where we are, but then Jesus said go and tell, that, that's the, the other command that he gave, not just rejoice, not just get excited, not just don't be afraid, but he says now go and tell somebody. How many of you know that Jesus has given us that same message that he's alive and we're supposed to go share it with other people? We're supposed to tell other people. We, we can talk about all kinds of other issues in life. We can talk about religious issues and, and political issues, and we can talk about sports things, and nobody cares what you believe. Nothing matters until you start talking about a and Savior. Nobody cares what you believe until you start declaring a risen Lord. The apostle Paul, he had never met Jesus in his earthly ministry. He spent his whole life trying to stop the spread of Christianity, trying to, to wipe it out in its infancy. Paul was in violent opposition to anything that had to do with God. He had never met him, but one day he met that risen Savior for himself and once he did, his life was never the same. I know what my life was like. I know that my life was spent in bars and and drinking and doing all sorts of things that I had no business doing. I didn't know any better. I didn't know there was another way. I was engulfed in my sin, and I did it. When you live that lifestyle, you give everything to it. You'll rearrange your plans. You'll, you'll save your money. You, you'll prioritize those things over anything else. But when it comes to serving God, rather than ways, we find excuses. Rather than solutions, we find excuses. Rather than making it happen, we find excuses. We don't want to go tell anybody. Why? Because it means we step out of our comfort zone. Well, listen, we can come to church every week and rejoice. And we should, amen? We should come into this place rejoicing. David said, I was glad when they said to me, let's go to the house of the Lord. We ought to rejoice when we get here. But we can come here every day. We can shout the ceiling down. We can run around this place until we're dripping with sweat. We can clap our hands till we've got blisters and calluses on them. But when we walk out the door, if we leave Jesus here, if we fail to follow through to go and tell somebody, then we've missed the whole point. Are you hearing me today? Yes. We've missed the whole point because the point is not just for you to come in here and soak things up. The point is that once you've soaked things up, you go out there and tell people. You know, it's a sad fact. That Jesus could rise up from the death and walk out from the grave, but he can't even get out of most churches. He can't even make it past the doors because we won't take him with us beyond these four walls. Jesus looked at these women. He said to Mary, he said, now go and tell my brothers. Go and tell them. He was talking about the disciples, the ones that were also scared and confused and didn't know what they were going to do. They were hiding behind locked doors, the Bible says. Jesus said, go tell them. Listen, can I tell you, you've got people in your life that need you to tell them about Jesus. You've got people that you come in contact with that absolutely need you to tell them about Jesus. There, there are people that God places specifically in your life so that you can show them and tell them about the love of God. And if we don't do it, if we don't do it, we fail, God. We can come to church, we can sing, we can shout, we can rejoice, but until we've also fulfilled the commandment to go and tell, we're falling short. We can spend, even as a church, we can spend tons of money in advertising every year. We can get every billboard in the city. We can advertise on television, on radio, in the paper, on Facebook and other social media. We can do all of that stuff. So that people in the community, we can try to ensure that once they hear about Impact Church, they know that this is a church that's alive and well. But even in all of that advertising, there is no substitute for a convinced and committed people who will go out of here and tell somebody. There's still no substitute for that. Already today, we've rejoiced in song. Over at the 8 o'clock service, and then here at the 1030, we've already sung, we've rejoiced, we've, we've gotten into it, we've been excited by the praise and worship. But let me tell you something, if you really want to honor the death and resurrection of Jesus, if you really want to be faithful to the Lord, you'll go and tell somebody about it. Tell, tell that family member who's lost in sin, tell, tell that store clerk or the bank teller or, or that neighbor whose name you've never even taken the time to learn Tell it with excitement, tell it with anointing, tell it with sincerity, tell it with love. Tell them them about the, the God who died for them that they wouldn't have to. The God that gave his life to pay the penalty and the price for their sins. The God that loves them just as they are. Don't tell them about the church people. Tell them about God. Don't tell them about other Christians. Tell them about Jesus. He's the one that makes the difference. It's not you or I, friends, that that make the difference. It's God. All we're supposed to do is arrange the meeting. We're not there to change somebody's life. We're not here to clean up somebody's life. We can't even clean up our own lives most of the time. All we're here to do is get people in a position where they can meet Jesus for themselves. We've been told to go and tell. And and see, I don't know about you, but I honestly think that so many church people forget what their life was like before Jesus. If If you... knew if you remembered what your life was like, you wouldn't have a problem telling somebody. If you really had joy and were thankful for what God did for you, you could tell anybody and everybody with all of the heartfelt passion in your life. Jesus said, go and tell. Go and tell who? He said, go and tell my brothers that they will see me. I love that. In other words, in other words, Jesus was saying, tell, tell the disciples. Tell them I'm on my way. Tell them uh, to be expecting me. Tell them to be waiting for me. Tell them to be looking for me because I'm on my way. Friends, the message that the church has been given is really a twofold message. First of all, it's the message of a historical Jesus, like I said earlier, a Jesus that lived and died and rose again. But secondly, it's the message of not just. Jesus resurrecting and ascending, but it's the message we have of a living and loving God. A God that's coming back for his church one day. A God that is coming back for those that he spilled his blood to to redeem, to forgive, to buy back. I mean, it's easy for people to get caught up in, All the rules of church and all the rules of Christianity, and you got to do this and you got to do that, and you got to be this and you got to be that. Listen, Romans says we've all fallen short of the glory of God. Amen? All, All of us, every single one of us. What people need to know is that our God is a loving God. Our God is a God who extends grace to us when we don't even deserve it. Our God is a God who said that every morning that we wake up, His mercy is brand new in our lives. You know why His mercy is brand new every morning? It's not because the old mercy wears out. It's simply because we've already used up all of that day's mercy on that day. See, this morning when I got up, God's mercies were brand new to me every day. But I'm going to go through some things. I'm going to hear some things. I'm going to say some things and do some things that I'm going to need the mercy of God in my life today. So I got to use up today's mercy today. And I will trust that tomorrow I'll have new mercies for that day. Because I'm going to mess up tomorrow at some point too. I'm telling you right now. I'm going to fall short. I'm going to try my best not to. But that's why God gives us new mercies. I'm thankful he gives us mercies and not a magnifying glass. Amen? I'm thankful that it's not my job to pick out anything in anybody else's life that needs fixed. You know why I'm thankful of that? Because that means it's nobody else's job to pick out what's wrong in my life. I'm of the firm belief that you ought to clean off your own back porch before you try cleaning somebody else's. Amen? Jesus said, go and tell my brothers, go and tell them that they're going to see me again. They're going to see me again. That that means that not only were the disciples going to see him in physical form, but he said, I'm coming back. I'm going to be back. One time I saw this this t-shirt. And it had Jesus, and he had like these these sunglasses on that looked like Terminator sunglasses, and he said, I'll be back. (laughs) He's coming back, though. It's not a story. It's not just some fable or myth. It's true. He's coming back. We are going to see him again. Listen, the resurrection, the whole point of the resurrection, the whole reason the church exists, the whole reason why throughout all of history the church has been attacked and mocked and people have tried to destroy it, it's all summed up in the fact that God loves you that's why he did everything he did that's why we've been through everything we have as a church, as a people because God loves us it doesn't matter how many people reject you God never will he loves you I I said it a minute ago, he loves you just the way you are but he, he loves us too much to leave us that way he'll fix those things we can't fix and if he doesn't think it needs fixing, then he won't Just because somebody else said there's things that you need to fix doesn't mean that's what God thinks. Amen? The truth of the matter is, friends, that today's a good day for you to reclaim your joy. Today's a good day for you to get your peace back. Today is a good day to get rid of the anxiety, the stress, the fear that you may have in your heart and your life and get your victory over those things. Because maybe, just maybe, God wants to resurrect something in you this morning. Maybe, just maybe, God wants to give you back your hope. Maybe God wants to give you back your faith, your trust, your passion, your love, your joy. Maybe He wants to give you back those things because you've lost them. you lost them. When when I think of the cross... And when I think of everything that Jesus went through, I'm humble. I'm humble by the fact that he would love me regardless of how many times I've screwed up. Regardless of how many times I've done something I shouldn't have done or not done something I should. He loves me. And when I think about the fact that he loves me enough to give his life on the cross that he loves me enough to come back to life see the whole point of him being raised up to new life was because God wanted to show us that he could give us a brand new life that's what it means to be born again it's not some crazy cult sounding term, it's not some ridiculous fictitious thing, it just means that you're born again spiritually there was a man that went to Jesus his name was Nicodemus and and he was a teacher of the law the Bible says so he didn't want anybody to know he was coming to talk to Jesus they all hated him he didn't want anybody to know so Nicodemus came in the dark of the middle of, of the night no he really was the original Nick at night and he came and he asked Jesus he said I've already been born How am I supposed to be born again? Am I supposed to climb back up in my mother's womb and be born again? He didn't get it. Jesus said, no, you have to be reborn spiritually. You have to let God fix your heart. You have to let him lead you and guide you. You have to surrender yourself to him. Because the truth of the matter is we're the ones that have made messes of our lives and because we did we can't fix them on our own we need his help we need his help Jesus gave some instructions he said rejoice don't be afraid and go and tell I want you to stand to your feet all over this place if you would I just want you to take a minute just bow your head and close your eyes for a second see like I said when I think about all that Jesus did for me I can't help but thank him I can't help but be grateful to him I can't help but just be awestruck that a holy God would give his son to die for me that's, that's too much for me to comprehend that's too much for me to believe to to know that he gave his life for me and all he asks of me is that I live my life for him listen you might be here this morning and the truth is you may not have a relationship with God You, you may not have one at all I mean he may not be any part of your life whatsoever Maybe you're here this morning and it's only because some family member drug you to church. Maybe you're going to walk out the doors of this church and you're thinking to yourself, they won't see me again till Christmas. Whatever the reason, God has you here for a purpose. He does. It doesn't matter what you think or what I think. The only thing that matters is what He knows. He's got you here for a purpose. And it might be because... He wants to have a relationship with you. It might be because he loves you. It might be because he wants you to come back to him. You say, but pastor, I've got got issues. I've got baggage in my life. We all do. Every one of us. Every one of us. The one person here that might say they don't have any issues or baggage, they got more than everybody else just by making that statement but the truth is that he loves you enough to help you work through that now with nobody looking around with every head bowed and every eye closed I want to ask you a simple question and please I don't want you looking around this is not a spectator time this is just time between you and God if you're here this morning and you would be honest enough you'd be courageous enough today to say pastor that's me I don't have a relationship God I don't I never have or maybe at one time I did but then life just Caused me to drift away Decisions I made decisions other people Made things happened In my life and it caused me to stray From God's plan But today this morning I know I know I got to get back on track I know it If that's you you say you don't have a relationship With God or you don't have the one that you Once did but you need to again you need To commit to him here this morning, if that's you, just slip your hand up. Nobody looking around. Slip your hand up. Amen. Amen. Hands are going up. Slip your hand up. You put your hands down. One more question this morning. If when you left this church today, if you were called into eternity, if the Lord through through an accident, through some some unforeseen event, if your life on this earth was cut short today and you were to go into eternity, do you know without a shadow of a doubt that you would go to spend that eternity with Jesus? If you're here this morning and you'd say to yourself, I don't know that beyond a shadow of a doubt. I don't have certainty that I would go to be with Jesus that's you be honest lift your hand today lift your hand you say I don't know for sure I don't know for sure and I want to tell you something if you lifted your hands to either question that's the reason God brought you here today that's the reason it wasn't just to hang out with your friends or your family it wasn't just to come to church and get a coffee It was because God, He wants to heal you. He wants to fill you. He wants to love on you. And you say, but pastor, again, I got so much going on. He doesn't care. It doesn't scare Him. No matter what you got going on, He loves you. He loves you. Even when they were nailing Him to the cross... He prayed for their forgiveness. He loved them. You don't think He's going to love you. He loves you. Don't listen to what somebody said. Don't don't listen to what your own mind tells you. That you can't come back to God. That you've gone too far. Or that you've done too many things. That God could never forgive you. Or that God couldn't love you. Yes, He can. And yes, He does. Now I'm going to give just a simple invitation and I'm going to ask you to be courageous one more time I'm going to ask you to be bold just one more time if you're here this morning and you lifted your hand to either question in fact if you're here and you didn't lift your hand but you know you should have I want you to step out from your seat I just want you to come and stand with me at this altar just come and stand with me have to worry about being up here by yourself, I'm here right now. I'm here because I know that I need God in my life today more than ever before. I know I need God to do a work. God bless you. God bless you. Come on, if you lifted your hand, step out. Step out. Come and stand at this altar. I want you to come and receive that love, receive that embrace that Jesus has for you. Our God is not a God of hate. He's a God of love. Our God's a God of forgiveness. Step out from where you are. Step out. Come on. If there's anybody else, anybody else, just step out from where you are. Step out. You know, church, there's a lot more people raise their hands than are stepping out. say, but pastor, I don't want everybody to know. I don't want people to look at me. Nobody's looking at you. And if if they do, shame on them. This is between you and God. One more time. One last time. If you lifted your hand and you say, I need to get my life right with God. Then step out and come. He He loves you. He loves you. He loves you. For those of you that came to this altar, God loves you. He forgives you. Once you confess to Him and just say, "God, I, I've not lived my life right. I've not stayed in Your will. I've not obeyed Your word, God. But I want to. I want You to help me. He'll forgive you. He'll fill your heart. He'll come in to your life and He'll help. He'll help guide you through all." The the hard and tough areas of life will help you to navigate those things that you just couldn't do on your own that's what he's here for that's why he died, that's why he rose again so these at the altar and even those of you in your seats I want everybody to just pray this prayer this morning just repeat it after me if you would say Lord Jesus I thank you for bringing me here today I know that you had a reason for me to hear this message. God, my heart is empty. It's hurting. In some ways, it's broken. And I need you to come and mend my brokenness. I'm asking you into my life today. I need you to forgive my sins to wipe clean the slate of all my past sins. Every mistake, every bad decision, everything I've done that's contrary to your word. I need you to love me like nobody else can. Father, today, I'm asking that you continue to help me be real in my life, more real than ever before, I give my life to you, be my Lord, and be my Savior, thank you Jesus, for saving my soul, amen, amen, Amen. look up at me everybody, if you prayed that prayer this morning, it doesn't matter if it's the first time you've ever prayed it, or if you've prayed it a hundred times, if you meant it in your heart, God's doing a work in your life. He's doing a work in your life. It's, it's not about... When we stop thinking we have to live up to somebody else's standard, then we can begin to be who God wants us to be. You, you can't do both. You can't be who God wants you to be. You can't let Him love you and still try to live up to everybody else's standard and expectation of you. All you got to worry about is pleasing God. If you're seated today, come on, stand to your feet with us. We're getting set. We're getting set to dismiss from here. I want to personally say thank you to all those that have labored, all those that have worked hard over the past several days and even a couple of weeks to make some of the transitions and the changes uh, that we've had to make those things happen. I mean, we were all here last night until about 11 o'clock putting on the finishing touches. but. I'm so glad. I'm excited about the way things turned out. And and I'm excited about people being excited to be in the house of the Lord. Amen. 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 Y'all can go back to your seats. If you would, just reach over, everybody. Join hands with that person next to you. Don't forget, if you filled out one of our Connect cards, give it to one of our people at the Connection Center, and they've got a free gift for you. We'd love for you to come back. In fact, there's there's... something in there that will bless you on your next visit make sure you come back next week and if you have kids here today go get them so we can take part in the egg hunt our children's staff does a fantastic job pastor bruce and kim and and they they take care of our kids and your kids so well teaching them about god and showing them the love of god So let's pray. Father, we just want to say thank you once again, God, for your love for us. It's a love that knows no bounds. It's a love that doesn't have any limitations on it, God. You don't love us if we act this way or if we act that way, but you love us in all ways. God, I pray today that you would be more real to people today than you ever have been before. I pray, God, that you would move in impact church that you would help us to make a difference in this community that you would help us to see lives change and God for those that were here this morning those even that raised their hand I pray God that you bless them and that you flood them with your love flood them God in every way with your love that they can't they can't escape it they can't ignore it God they can't avoid it but your love for them will be everywhere in everything that they do Father as we go let us do what you told us The women to do, God, let us rejoice, let us not be afraid, and let us go and tell somebody. Go and tell somebody about the love of God, about the the power and the forgiveness of Jesus Christ, and about the fellowship at this church, God. Lord, use us for your glory and bless your people as we go. We thank you. We give you praise now. In Jesus' name, and all God's people said amen. Amen. Come on, put your hands